0: last week we ended off at at 16 verse 24 and the Lord is still preparing the uh, disciples for his departure and what to expect and near the end of the portion of of scripture that we that we uh, finished with the Lord is saying that um, that the disciples would weep and lament and that the world would rejoice and then he says and you will be sorrowful. but your sorrow will be turned to joy, he said in 1620. And uh, in 22, he says, Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy uh, no one will take from you. And uh, then he goes on, 23 and 24, to explain that they can go before the Lord and ask anything in Jesus' name, and that the Lord uh, God, God, the Father, would uh, would give it to them. And, uh, you know, he's, he's saying that, uh, you know, there's a, uh, he said, you know, before you, have, until now, you haven't had to ask anything in my name because I've been here. Now when I leave, you can ask in my name and it will be done. And uh, he says, and ask and you will receive and your joy may be full. Now hearing that your joy may be full after hearing that he's going to depart uh, and as we've discussed, this is all part of what he's, what he's speaking to the disciples and what he's saying to them is that he is going, uh, he's going away and that, uh, that someone's going to betray him and that Peter is going to deny him. I know I've said that several times, but we have to keep this in proper context of what's happening. He is comforting the disciples and preparing them. Because af- soon after this, they're going to go from being disciples, ones that are discipled in a way of, of teaching, to apostles. So they're, then they're going to be sent ones. They're going to be ones sent out with the gospel. And we know that at the end of the gospels, they uh, received the Great Commission to go spread the gospel uh, to uh, that local area there, to Judea and Samaria, um, and to the outermost parts of the earth. So they are being prepared for worldwide ministry as they uh, are are listening to these things from the Lord. Verse 25, he's preparing them in this these last few verses from 25 to 33 uh, for uh, what's to come next. And uh, specifically, he'll get to the point of tribulation and persecution. Uh, so he gives them that message so that they'll be prepared for it and he tells them to not fear because he has overcome the world. So verse 25 says these things I have spoken to you in a figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in a figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name and I will do, uh, and I do not say to you that you shall pray uh, the fa- that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. And have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So Jesus is explaining, you know, how he was speaking to them before. Uh, they weren't necessarily ready for the plain talk. Uh, he said, uh, if you're reading in the King James Version, it says, I spoke to you in Proverbs. Um, but in, in this uh, version here, he says, in a, in a figurative language. You know, maybe they weren't ready. You know, I don't know if about, about us if we've ever been to a point where you've read something in the scripture and it hasn't quite rang true or not necessarily rang true. Or it hasn't quite hit the chord that you needed to hear at the right time. Right. And then the Lord tells us, oh, that's why I was reading this. Whatever's happening in our life. And the Lord is saying, I spoke to you in one day and day, uh, one way. Uh, until now and then uh, now I'm just speaking to you plainly so that you understand what is happening here and uh, he says that uh, the father loves you and he's explaining that they can go to the father because he himself loves them and uh, he says because we love and basically he goes on to say for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and believed that I came forth from God That they're not in a state of rejection, as the religious leaders were, that these men, by faith, were following Christ. We know that many of them were called away, uh, uh, they were all called away, uh, from different uh, ways of life. One, Matthew was a tax collector who was hated by Israel uh, because he'd rip people off. That's what the tax collectors were known for. You know, ripping people off and um, they would say, oh, well, you know, I know the tax bill says $50, but it just got raised now it's 75 or whatever. That's they were known for being a dishonest people and people that would take advantage of their position. And they, uh, you know, then you consider somebody like Peter, who uh, self-proclaimed sinner that Jesus shouldn't be around. You know, drop to his knees. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man and and uh, uh he and his brother and uh the peter just is dropping down he's he's a fisherman lived a you know a rugged guy and uh it, just people that you wouldn't you wouldn't think you know oh hey just average joe here you'd think uh when uh, when god is coming to the world that the religious system should uh recognize him and and praise him as they should uh, but they reject him because he's not there to free them from uh, the tyranny of Rome. So uh, when they find out, oh, wait, this guy isn't here to save the day for us and, and lead us forward, they start looking at other things and say, all right, this isn't the guy. And All he's doing is blaspheming. He's healing people on the Sabbath, everything. This isn't uh, who it is. So these men here, because they loved him and be- because they believed that he came forth from God, in 28, he says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Now, uh, that's the, the theme of the book of John is to explain who Jesus Christ is, that Jesus is God in the flesh. So when he's recording uh, his, his gospel account, he's heavy on the side of when Jesus made these declarations. We've discussed this several times. Hopefully, when you hear something like this, you're like, yeah, we've heard that. Perfect. That's exactly what I want for all of us to know that the book of John— uh, is focused on seven miracles and seven I am statements. If we have that in our brain, great. We're built. We're growing. We're we're as a church. We're uh, understanding more of the totality of the book of John as uh, as a body, and that's that's great. That's uh, and we see that in chap- chapter twenty, he's writing this book to spark believing faith in the reader. You know those as we hear these things you've heard me say it multiple times there's a reason for that it's because the Lord's laying it on my heart so that it would be laid on our hearts that we would be able to focus on it says i came from the father and leave the world to go to the father you know his mission is soon going to be complete and he will return to the father and uh, he wasn't speaking of trying to defeat the attackers that are coming all right judas is coming he's got a whole bunch of thugs coming with him with lanterns and Pitchforks, whatever they've got in their hands, and knives and swords, and we know at least one of them had a sword, but um, uh, they, they've got their their stuff going, and uh, they—you uh, would think that somebody's trying to preserve their life, but Jesus came to lay down His life, and uh, that, that was the whole mission that he, he's explaining to them that I'm going back to the father. This this whole thing that I've talked to you about is all, is all coming to a head right now. The culmination of, of what we've been uh, talking about, what we've been doing here, is about to happen right now. And he's making it very clear uh, that he is here about his father's business, as he said he would be. Verse 29, his disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure sure that uh you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you by this we believe that you came forth from god and at, where it says you know uh, at this saying they seem to as you look here say, see now and the, they're like now you're speaking to us plainly you're not speaking to us through proverbs and those things and uh they they, they start getting more confident in their faith and they start making these these uh declarations and you know, Jesus had been telling them uh, things that they they weren't quite comprehending and understanding. And and uh, for us, we have the advantage of hindsight, right? We can go back and we can read. And um, this is happening in real time for them. They're they're in this moment. They're uh, so as they've been walking with the Lord throughout His ministry, uh, they've been seeing these things as they go. We have the advantage of looking back, going huh. Guys should have seen this coming and everything. They were there uh, in the moment as uh, Jesus was, was ministering. Uh, so we do uh, have that, that, you know, a better way to look back. So Jesus knew them better than themselves. In verse 31, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, uh, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because my Father is with me. So as they're saying, now we understand it all makes sense. Jesus is saying, do you now understand? Do you now believe? And uh, he, he he breaks it down to them. Indeed, the hour is coming and has now come. This is this is what's going to happen. And uh, you know, Jesus is faithful to prepare prepare them for even that. That hey. I've told you this is coming. He's going with them step by step. As these things are progressing, he says they're going to happen. And as they're going, Jesus is saying, this is coming. This is coming. Now it's going to happen. That's what he does in our lives. He works in our lives. These guys weren't super spiritual special people. They weren't. They were normal, everyday people. And the Lord just starts doing extraordinary things in their life and pouring his heart out into them, pouring his word into them. And then he's, he's building them up. He's discipling them. And then soon, when they're ready, he sends them out. He does the same with us. These weren't guys like, you know, that you'd walk down the street and go, oh, it's this guy, it's this guy, it's this guy. They were fishermen. Fishermen. Four of them were fishermen, right? One's a tax collector. You can just kind of go all the way down and, and just look. And we just wouldn't think that, okay, God's going to turn the world upside down with these people. These eleven people that are sitting right there, that God's going to take them and just shake everything up through the uh, through the, you know, the message of the gospel through these eleven people. And right now, He's preparing them for failure. He's preparing. He's saying, "Yes, I know. I know. You know. Do you now believe in everything?" And He says you, that that they're all going to be scattered, each to his own. They're like, have you ever you ever like been around cats and ever seen uh, funny videos of cats getting startled? You know they're jumping this high in the air and they're and they're all in different directions, right? That's what these guys are going to do. You know when when the mob comes, you know Peter's going to have his moment, cutting off Malchus's ear. Uh, but as soon as Jesus is taken away and everybody's there by themselves, they all scatter. And the Lord's preparing them for that. There's a great third day song. I hate it when I say a song and then I don't remember the name, but it's uh, um, "I Can't Take the Pain." I think is what it's called. And uh, look it up. It's a good, it's a good uh, song to listen to. It's from their time album. So it's an old, old song they had. And it's, it's written from uh, the, from the point of view of one of the disciples that was there with Jesus and they left him alone. You know, I can't take the pain of leaving you alone. The disciples left him alone, but Jesus gives them comfort. Now, here's the one that's about to go and and be tortured and nailed to a cross and experience separation from God the Father. Who's he worried about? The disciples. Them guys. That's our God. That's our God. There's there are so many in, in, in that the cultures and and um, religions in this world that that can say you know this is the right way and jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but through me he declared himself to be god and then we see who is he he's so tender to to our hearts he's so uh, in tune to what we have going on in our lives and and what he's doing here instead of saying yeah oh you guys are all going to scatter and you're going to answer for that in heaven you know he's saying don't worry the father's going to be you know if that that they can hear that, and you know that at that point where they're they're at home and they're shamed, and they're like, "I said that I'd be with him." You know, Peter's like, "I will go to you." I and that then we know that Peter ends up denying three times before the rooster crowed. they Jesus is preparing them uh, for this failure, saying, "Hey, this is going to happen. When it does, uh, just just know that I wasn't alone. That everything I went through, the Father was with me." Those are comforting words. Verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who live godly, uh, desire to live godly in Christ. Oh, you have it up there. I have it written in my notes, so I didn't know if Casey uh, uh, put that up there. All who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Is persecution coming? Yes. I don't know what, to what degree. We may lose friends. We may be ridiculed by friends, family, whatever it is. Just be ready for it. All. It says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution everybody there's going to be some level of persecution whether it's to your face you know behind your back whatever it is my encouragement to you uh, you know uh, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good right that's that's what the scripture tells us if that's happening don't go in and try to find out who did it who said that about me and everything just go to the lord and say Lord uh, you you know this isn't true about me You know that I'm not walking around literally thumping people with my Bible in the head. I just can't help but share the grace that I've accepted. And now that I'm walking with you and the truth, I know, you know, the, 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 the world will want to suppress the truth with its lie, but that's uh, as the Christian, we move forward with it. You know, they are we're here. Why do you go to church on Sunday morning? You're going to church in the middle of the week. You know, you read your Bible every day you know, and and i'm i'm not trying to do, but just be ready for those things don't let those don't let those things discourage you there's also going to be encouragement that uh, from places you didn't think of you know i uh, my my oldest brother and i um always have this thing where he, he he'll kind of just give me a, a a little nudge and go well, you know, you're, you're you're really, you know, doing what you're doing because I told you to read the Bible. Right. <laughs> and and he just one day, one day, just as I was a young kid, um, I was reading the Bible uh, before bed or whatever. And he popped his head into my room. And what are you doing? I was just reading the Bible. He's like, oh, they say you should read that. And that was it. You know, and it and, and, and just that. And I just kind of from there, um, I still lived contrary to it for many years. But the Lord used those words when I was a kid, you know, just coming from somebody who was a leader in my life. Just those things. Be prepared that God's going to speak to us. He's going to encourage us. He's going to draw us. And um, that that we aren't always going to have that type of uh, <clears throat> encouragement. But Jesus is preparing them, specifically them right now, for tribulation. The, you guys, they're, they're going to be, uh, you know, literally heads rolling. Uh, because of the gospel message, and the Lord is preparing them for that. That so, uh, as we read in here, He says, "These things I have spoken to you, verse thirty-three, uh, that in me you may have peace. You may have peace." Philippians four six and seven is speaking specifically seven the the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That, uh, you know, and and right before that in verse six, it's talking about, uh, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, right? You've heard me quote that a a billion times, the peace of God, you know, that you think there might've been some anxiety there. You think there might've been some fear, go to Jesus, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I'm dealing with this. This is too heavy on my heart. I can't do this on my own. I need you to help me. I need your peace to protect my heart, to protect my mind. And he does. He's so faithful to do so. He's preparing them, but he says that in me you would have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If you consider Peter, who was uh, you know, there for this discourse as Jesus is teaching, First um, Peter 4, verses 12 and 13, hopefully it's going to come up. If it doesn't, I'll have you turn there. Okay, it does. Uh, beloved, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. That's Peter. Now, church tradition tells us that Peter was persecuted to the point where he was martyred by being crucified. And church tradition says that he argued the point that he wasn't worthy to be crucified as his Lord was, and he chose to be crucified upside down. You know, That's a man who, yes, at one point, he denied Christ. You, know, you have three recordings of him. Denying Christ, and what does Christ do? What does our God do? Come back and restore Him. How many times? Three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? You know, the, that's that's who our God is. <clears throat> He's so faithful. So Peter had had experienced the failure, and experienced the restoration, and experienced the tribulation, the persecution. And he's writing uh, that in First Peter four, and he's saying, "Don't think it's strange. Be prepared for it. Not like anything strange has come to you." And and he, he said, now, what's the 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 goal of persecution is to discourage. We're going to stop them from doing that this by doing that. And God's economy and the way God works and the way His Spirit works that as we carry the gospel. And we see, uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter five here in a moment. Is it works opposite of what the world's expecting? You know that oh, we're going to discourage them, we're going to, and they're all going to scatter like cats, right? They're all just, they're all, they're all going to be gone. And uh, Peter is telling them, "But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy." Jesus said, um, "These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace." In the world you have uh, tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then Peter, who experienced the persecution, uh, is writing this in, in 1 Peter 4 as, as he's you know writing um, his epistle. And then he goes on to tell them, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And on their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he's glorified. You know what? He's saying, be ready. Don't be discouraged by these things. Be ready, and as they come, know that you were being prepared for it and that God carried you through and that he got his will uh, completed in what you were doing, and you just stand firm in him. If you turn to Acts chapter 5 with me, the setting, and you can turn to verse 29. The setting is Peter is in prison, and uh, he... uh, as he's in prison, the angel, an angel came and opened the door and let them out. In and, and Acts 5, 20, it says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. So they did. When the Pharisees and Sadducees called them out, you know, they were nowhere to be found. The doors of the prison were opened and you know, they, uh, those who put them there were all confused trying to figure out what had happened. Someone comes by and like, hey, those ones that you locked in prison, they're out there openly preaching the word. And, uh, you know, so they came and and took them away peacefully because they feared everybody. and They were uh, afraid that they would be stoned by those that were listening uh, to the message. They said, didn't we strictly command you not to teach in this name, the name of Jesus? And they say, you've now filled uh, Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. So there's this confrontation that's happened. They think they've got them all locked up. God has a different plan. Opens the doors of the prison. These guys can't figure out where they're at in the morning when they want to drag them out and everything. Then they find out they're preaching openly in the square. And as they're in the square, they go and they're like, hey, we've got to take them. But if we use force, these guys are going to stone us to death. We've got to kind of watch our own necks, right? So they go in peacefully and they take them away. And when they say, didn't we strictly command you not to teach in this name? Now, they were given the command by Jesus to preach the, in his name. And then uh, these guys here are saying, uh, You know, didn't we command you? And look what Peter says in verse 29 of Acts 5. He says, But Peter and the other disciples, other apostles, answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So then there's this situation where the religious leaders are, are furious and they want to kill him. And Gamaliel, who's respected by all, stands up and he he, he commanded that the apostles be taken away. And um, he uh, starts talking to them, uh, the religious leaders that are there, and he starts referring to these these past people that had come up and, and caused some stirs in the past. And he says, but if this is from God, uh, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be fought, uh, found to fight against God. So... The leaders agreed with him, and they called for the disciples to bring uh, to be brought back in, and they beat him. They were beaten, and they commanded that they uh, not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Now, however, this didn't quite have the effect that they had hoped for. Acts uh, 5, verse 41, if you can just you know, look down the page a little bit. It says, so, they, so after being beaten and commanded to shut up is really what's happening. Stop preaching in the name of Jesus, and we're serious about it. And they beat them. Verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Daily. It wasn't like they they were daily in the temple. You know, they weren't discouraged by it. They were encouraged by this. We were, look at that, verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, all beat up, bloody, bleeding. You know, they, they're hurting a little bit. They're limping along. They got beaten. It's not like they you know, kind of got a slap in the head said, knock it off or slap on the wrist. They were beaten. They were beaten. They're bloodied up. And what do they do? They're like, that was awesome. You know, and they, they get out there and they're like, man, you know, we got to suffer for his name. They're so encouraged and they have the joy of the Lord, right? They have the peace of the Lord. And they're they're all excited that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They, I mean, the only way to describe that is the peace of God. So as they attempt to put out the fire, all they did was fan the flames. That's all they did. You know, that, that fire ends up spreading and the joy of the Lord can't be extinguished. Or contained when you consider what we just read. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. <clears throat> Following the Lord by the power of the Spirit, we're going to find joy, peace, and life in Him, regardless of the circumstances that we face. They might be that drastic. They might not be. It might just be, get out. you know what? I'm tired of hearing you talk. Uh, you know, you now you're not drinking with us anymore. Now you're not smoking with us anymore. Now you're not Bleep bleep bleep. You know no not bleep bleep bleep. That was those the, Now put put in like X now you're not doing this anymore now You're not doing get out of here, man Or they might not even say it that way it might just how you guys nobody's answering my calls my text Whatever it is. Just take it and go with it. Just continue to follow with Jesus We're never going to regret the choice to follow Jesus Christ never when we look back you know, there may be that instant regret like, oh, hey, I'm going through this. Is this all worth it? The Lord will be faithful, and he will tell you, yes, it is. Continue on. He's never going to say, no, no, hey, you know, I get it. Don't worry about following me. You know, I know things are getting tough. You don't have to follow me now. You know, things, things will be taken care of. No, he's He's calling us to follow him. 1 John 5, verses 1 through 5. I don't know if you have it there. Yeah, you do. <clears throat> Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? When Jesus says, I have overcome the world, look at those, those uh, things that are said here. Specifically look at verse 4. It says, for what, who, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 8.37 tells us, By the power of the Spirit, we are more than conquerors in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. There's nothing, height nor depth, and it goes into that whole list, right? Nothing can separate us from God's love. Because he has overcome the world. Because Jesus has overcome everything. We can't look and go, oh, well, this is too powerful for God. This is too powerful for God. This situation's too big for him. Yeah, any of those things. Just go to him and be like, "I can't figure it out," or "Lord, I need the strength in this." I need it, and He's going to be faithful uh, because He's overcome the world. There's nothing that's too big for Him and too, or too strong from Him. When He makes a declaration like that, "I have overcome the world," He's overcome the world. Let's move on to John 17, verse one. So the discourse from four uh, verse. Uh, sorry, from. Chapters 14, 15, and 16 that the Lord had just delivered has come to an end now, and now we see Jesus moving to prayer. And uh, he prays for himself, he prays for the disciples, and then he prays for all believers. So uh, in this time, we're we're probably going to get through the prayer for himself this morning. Uh, And so we'll focus on that, and then next week we'll look at his prayer. And I encourage you, this is one chapter. Dive into it this week. Dive into it. Pray. Ask God to just speak to you, and then we'll get together next week and 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 go through the rest of His prayer for the disciples and for the church, for all that are going to believe. That includes every one of us. Every one of us. He didn't say until you know, the year you know eighty uh, fifty two you know or anything like that. He literally says you know that, that as you as you read through there, it's all believers that we're going to see. Verse one of John seventeen. Jesus spoke these words, the words that we just finished studying from fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 16, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory with uh, which I had with you before the world was. So we see here that Jesus starts with a prayer for himself. And these, these first five, five verses. So Jesus is praying for himself. And he starts by saying, the hour has now come. And he had said several times that the hour had not yet come through his ministry. My hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. Now, in his private time, we actually have another recording of God the Son talking to God the Father directly. This is, uh, uh, anytime you can go back and read and, and look at the, the prayers of the Lord pouring his heart out to the Father, meditate on it. He told the disciples that this hour <clears throat> was was going to come, and uh, for him to be glorified. He asked the Father, "Glorify the Son, as your Son, that your Son may also glorify you." Verse two, it says, "The Father gave the Son all authority uh, authority over all flesh." John three thirty five says, "The Father loves the Son, and has given all things into His hand." Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 1, verse, verses 20 through 23, speaking of God's power, says you know, God's power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Another uh, scripture reference, Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when Jesus is saying here that he has been giving authority over all flesh, that's what that means. Those verses that we just read of everything being put under his feet. Everything how did it happen by him obeying the father? He came here to be the ultimate example of obedience to submit his will to the fathers And he's here and he walked in on this earth in complete submission And and perfect submission and obedience to the father the perfect example for us We there's nobody that can look at Jesus's life and go ah. There's the sin. Oh, there's a sin they can if they don't have belief, any belief in them. They say, oh, yeah, he's claiming to be God, just like the religious leaders wanted to kill him for. Well, did he back up that claim? And We've discussed that several times. Every time he made those claims, he backed it up, every one of them. Not one of them wasn't answered. So when we look at verses like this from John and Matthew and Ephesians and Philippians, of all things being put under his feet, that at, the, at his name, every tongue, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus Christ. He says in verse two that they would give eternal life to as many as you have given me. You know, you you think of He's saying you've given me all. You in verse two it says as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as uh, have as you have given him why was the authority given so that life could come eternal life you know that was the mission is victory over sin and death uh, salvation and freedom in Christ that's when, when when we can read something as powerful as that where it says uh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him give eternal life eternal life is a gift it's a gift if we don't all understand that I hope you understand it after this morning there is absolutely nothing that we can do to, to earn salvation in our life. It's a gift of God. Because if it can be earned, then we can boast that we earned it. We can say, no, no, I got my salvation ticket right here. earned it. You know, when I did this, this, and this, can't be taken away from me. I got the, the card tattooed on my arm, so you know my arm comes with me. And uh, you know, I got it right here. I got my proof right here. I earned my way. The only proof we have is to kneel down and say, I, I trust in Jesus. Yeah, that song, third day song, I trust in Jesus. That That's all, that's literally all that we could ever say. Yeah, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because I trust in Jesus. Really? Yep. <laughs> you know, you, you can take them right through. Yeah, God spoke to me and this, 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 and this going on in my life. And I came to a faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's my gift that I've received from the Lord. And I, I have uh, 100% you know, that, bless, uh, that, that hymn, Blessed Assurance, right? That blessed assurance is in him, that he has been given the authority to give life, and that he's given it. That was He came and completed the mission. Victory over sin and death was complete. Verse 3 says, uh, this is eternal life, knowing God the Father and Jesus the Son. You know, to know the only true God and Jesus whom he sent. You know, when you consider all of his preaching, all of his ministry, this would be a culmination of it, right? Because when all of the uh, uh, the commandments can be summed up and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself, it's right here. This is the culmination of Jesus's whole ministry—to know God and to know Jesus, His Son. We might have right standing by the grace of God through faith in Christ. You know, to know him personally as our Lord and Savior, personally, that we have that personal relationship. I've told my kids, and my wife and I have told them for years, yes, your mom, uh, you know, your mom is a Christian. She follows the Lord. I'm a Christian. I follow the Lord. You need to consider, and as, as when they were little kids, we talked to them about that, that we all have to have our own personal relationship with Christ, every single one of us that personal relationship that you know I love that saying that like God doesn't have any grandchildren you know that that every single person by themselves has to come to that point um, of belief make that declaration and uh, make that choice to repent turn from our sinful ways and walk the other direction with God to know him personally first Timothy chapter 2 verse three For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. This is eternal life, knowing God. And then start looking at these verses uh, through that lens. That he desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. First Timothy one verses fourteen and fifteen says, "And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus." This is the faithful. Uh, this is a faithful and a saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Going back to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24, says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight says the Lord that old adage that God's angry that God just wants to chuck lightning bolts at people and, and and you know open open up the the ground and swallow people up all those things you know no that's not the heart of God is for the sinner to repent when you look at that verse uh, where it says um Uh, Verse 24, but let him uh, glory, let him who glories glory in this, that he who understand that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, patience, judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these I delight. He doesn't rejoice over the death of the wicked. He wants repentance to happen. He wants people to come to know him. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 3 and 4 says, But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. Isaiah 44, verse 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. There is one God, and he wants a relationship with every sinner on this earth. That's what this, Look at all those verses. They're all right there. He wants all to come to repentance. That's a great God. This is eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's eternal life. To know God. And then just as we come to faith in Christ, start walking with him. Then we have a relationship with him. He says, I have glorified you on earth. And he finished the work which he was sent to do. And he says, restore to me the glory that I had with you before the world was. You know, Jesus Christ is eternal. We've discussed that several times as we've studied through the book of John. He existed before the world was. John one uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He had all power, glory, and authority. We've looked at several verses to to show those things. Isaiah nine six, speaking of the promised Messiah, said that he would be called a mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Philippians two verses six through eight, speaking of Christ, says who Christ, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. When the Lord is saying, when he's saying, he restore to me uh, the glory I had with you before the world was, that's a, a God that stripped himself of 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 being God in heaven, it came down. I've heard Ken Graves talk about it, and the best uh, illustration he is, he has given is that he became a maggot. How disgusting maggots are! And think of them; they're gross. And that's how he was saying, when you in a comparison, for us to become a maggot, a maggot. That's about as close as we can get, but still isn't a perfect, uh, you know, analogy. But of God coming to sinful man. And coming to die for us. Two more scripture verses uh, references for you: Acts seven verses fifty-five and fifty-six. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, this is Stephen when he's he's um, uh, about to die. He, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, "Look, I see the heavens opened." and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When Jesus prayed this before, restore to me the glory that I had, that glory was described in Philippians 6, that, that uh, he humbled himself and became obedient uh, to the point of death, even the death on the cross. That the the one that was in heaven, the mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace that Isaiah 9 was speaking of, that one became sin for us. Hebrews 10 verses uh, 12 and 13 say this, But this man, speaking of Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. That's the God that we serve. That's the tender God that was preparing those disciples, as we were just reading at the end of 16 for the failure that was going to come, for the scattering that was going to come. But they could go back to his words and say, hey, he said this was coming. He said this persecution was coming. He said that we were all going to scatter. All these things that he said were going to happen, happened. And what did he tell us? To be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Guys, that's the message. And then what does he do? He goes and he prays. And he's praying here that he would accurately... Uh that he that he would finish out his ministry and that he he would uh when I say accurately, remove that word. Um uh, but as he's praying here, he wants he's he's finishing strong. He's at the point where everything is done. I've done everything you told me to do, and now I'm ready to come back uh to you. But we can reflect back and look back at, at, at verses like Isaiah nine and see who is praying that prayer the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The mighty God is praying that prayer. That as the work that he was sent here to be do- to, to, to take care of was done, that was his prayer. Lord, restore me to the glory that I had before I came here. And the Lord did. As we can see, when Stephen is, is looking up in heaven as he's dying, he's saying, I see the glory of God, and I see Jesus standing on his right side. Jesus was restored to his proper place. He's there until he's coming back on a white horse. Amen. He's coming back. We need to be uh, in our lives uh, ready and and not be discouraged by uh, any type of rejection or persecution or tribulation. Um, there is, uh, if you haven't noticed, um, this world is getting violent, more violent by the day. It's getting more irritated by the scripture, by uh, you know any type of the name of Jesus, any type of reference to Jesus. It's getting more and more irritated. Our job isn't to run and force people into submission, but to be in prayer, to be in the word, be obedient to the word, and to walk as he told us to to walk, to say what he tells us today, uh, to say and to live our lives every day uh, in obedience to him and in submission to him. And he's going to take care of whatever else is going to happen. So stand in him in, in, in boldness and in, in love and encourage, uh, just knowing that we're not alone, that he's with us, and that he's going to carry us through these things. Amen? Amen. Would you all stand with me and we'll pray? Lord, we are so blessed by the words of comfort and encouragement you had for the disciples to prepare them for the uh, the tests and trials that they had coming. And uh, the tribulation they had coming in front of them. And then to see your prayer. Lord, that your uh, your prayer of men coming to salvation. That the work was finished. Everything is done. That we can trust and rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Build our life upon what you've done. Build our faith, trust in you because of who you are. We're so blessed, Lord, to have your word, and we pray that, Lord, that it would be a part of our conversations after church or today as we go through it, that we would chew on it for the rest of the day. Take us into the week uh, on what you have for us, Lord, and prepare us for the rest of this chapter next Sunday we thank you for your, your your love your grace and mercy and pray that it covers us now as we go in jesus name we pray amen grace